Thanks again, Evan. Turn my mic on there. There we go. Glad everybody is here this morning. What a beautiful day it is. And man, what some great weather we've been having. Just some wonderful things happening around us. Um, as we begin this morning, I want us just to get focused on where we've been in the story. And this incredible invitation that we have to the birth of Jesus. So let's start with a prayer. And let's give our ears and our hearts to the hearing of the word that will follow this prayer. Let's pray. Father, knowing that you're here, we pray that we will be present to you. Turn our hearts, turn our souls, turn our minds. Just turn us towards you, Lord. We know that many things are taking our attention, call for our attention. And Father, let us not just try to battle with those, but let us just offer those to you, Lord, at this time. Our concerns, our worries, our hurts, we give them to you, Lord. Bless us now at the hearing of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We begin with John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human decision or natural descent or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen, church? What a start. In the beginning was the word. Maybe the most powerful words ever spoken, it would be debatable, but how can we as people who use words and talk about words and define worlds by words, how can we put the power of words to definition? It's hard for us to get around how much, get our heads around how much it's foundational for us to understand what is so common to how we make meaning. So we have a multitude of ways, right, to describe the power of words, and I'll give you a few. 
There are people that we describe and we say they're a person of few words. And there's people who are people of their word. You can have a play on words and you can start a war of words. Sometimes others, people are at a loss for words. And some of us, not myself, must also have the last word. <laughs> Sometimes we're told words and we say, I don't believe a word of it. Other times, you hear something amazing, and you say it was beyond words. PBS Kids told my children, word up, it's word girl. And Vanilla Ice told my generation, word to your mother. Whether it's the word on the street or something we're not to speak a word of, we all know words matter. There's words to the wise, and there's four-letter words that you're not supposed to speak. There's word of mouth, and there's stories that we hear that are so interesting, we hang on every word. In other words, words are something to keep. Because words are a promise. I can eat my words when I've made a mistake, and when we pass from this life, some of us may be known as our famous last words. But maybe. And in fact, I would say very possibly, what we just heard that might just be a little too familiar to us, we just heard the greatest words of all time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Those are words to build a life on because we are all waiting on those words. Who of us in here haven't had words that we have waited for, right? Words that make meaning, words that have significance to us. Words create language and they create worlds and they create attitudes and they create life. They impart meaning to our very souls. We are all waiting on a word. We've all experienced that. How words of hope, when they come to fruition fill you with joy, or when words of encouragement carry you through a difficult time, or how words of love help you pass through dark valleys. As Marianne Bird was her name, and she was born in 1928. She was born as a birth defect at a time when there was no cure or no surgery. She had a cleft palate. A very sharp cleft palate. And in 1928, there was no surgery to repair that. And so Mary, as she became more aware, especially the time she started to go to school as a young girl, she became very shy and afraid of her fellow students. When she entered into first grade, she looked so much different than other students. So when a student would say, what happened to your mouth? She would tell a lie. She would say that she had fallen on a sharp object, a knife sometimes, or just say on a countertop or something, and she had injured her mouth. Marion Bird writes that at that time in her life, it was better to have a story than it was to admit that she was just simply born that way. But even though she would tell the story, a small fib in her life, she was still teased mercilessly and often and to add to her difficulty, Marianne Bird not only had a cleft palate, but she was born with one ear that could barely hear. 
Now, in those days, the teacher in the hearing test at school worked a little different than it does now. In those days, the teacher was responsible to test all the students. And the test was called the whisper test in the early 30s. Students would come into the classroom, and then the teacher would line them up one by one, and they'd come over to where the teacher was standing, and then they would cover one ear, and the teacher would whisper a phrase, and then they would cover the other, and a teacher would whisper the phrase, and then she would see if they could respond. Mary had learned for a couple years how to fake her way through this by kind of acting like she was covering up her good ear so she could still maybe make out what the teacher was whispering. But early on, around third or fourth grade, Mary's teacher was pretty special. Miss Leonard was her name, and she was one of the favorites in the whole school. She was joyful. She was loving. She gave kind hugs to the students every day. And Miss Leonard knew about Marianne. Knew that Marianne maybe was hurting and struggling. So when Mary's turn came, she whispered to her first in her good ear, you don't have to cover up. You can kind of just cover up. It'll be okay. She gave her space to hear what the teacher was about to whisper. Now, when the teacher would whisper something, she would usually whisper phrases like, the sky is blue or my shoes are red, and the kids would repeat that back. But knowing at this moment that she was able to whisper something to Mary, words of meaning, words of life, words of love, and she had this one moment, and that only Mary would hear these words, she leaned forward, and she whispered to Mary, I wish you were my daughter. And those words made all the difference for Marianne Bird. She writes about them later on in life when she was in her 60s and 70s about how those words, I wish you were my daughter, were the words that carried her beyond all the ridicule, all the hardship. They were words worth waiting for. And this morning, I think, with truth in our heart, we could say we all long for words like that. Words that impart that kind of meaning, that kind of encouragement. And I believe that in John 1, in the birth narrative of this gospel, that's what we receive. The word here in John, at the beginning of this gospel, is the Greek word that you probably know, logos. It's where we get the word logic. The Greeks believe this word was a heavy word, this logos word carried with it meaning, it carried with it significance. In fact, Plato and Aristotle and Socrates talked about logos. And the definition they gave to this idea of logos, the word, capital W for us, capital L for them, was the omnipresent wisdom by which all things are steered. To the Greeks, logos, or word, was believed to be the unifying power behind the universe. To the Jews, logos is a word that meant the fullness of God's teaching. If you could sum up God's wisdom and his message all into one, his creative force, the Jews would say it's logos. God speaks and creation happens. So John opens up his gospel with this definition, and he's giving us both definitions. He's saying to the Greeks, 
It's this unifying force. To the Jews, it's this wisdom. And what Jesus is, is the word you've been waiting for. It's both. It's everything you could have ever wanted. Jesus, the Logos, is the bringing together, the force behind everything. And I believe that the reason John uses this word is because we know that words confuse. Words are sometimes difficult. I think what John is doing is he's using the word, capital W, the word became flesh to avoid this confusion. I'll show you some words here, right? We know that the English language can be confusing. I could use some different words up here, like lead, L-E-A-D, or lead, spell L-E-A-D. <laughs> you know, we have confusing words, or lie, L-I-E. You can spell that the same, lie, lie down, tell a lie, right? There's all kinds of different ways, but I won't use that today. I'll use more religious words, and I want you to see as I throw up some poster boards here, I want you to kind of just get your initial response. And I'll start with just an easy one. When we read phrases and words that have meaning, what, that, what me, it means is that those words have incarnated. They have taken on flesh. So we have words like, welcome to church. Now I'll show you, this incarnates in different ways with people. For you guys, you're here this morning. Welcome to church probably, hopefully takes on a positive thing, right? A positive meaning in your life. Words incarnate with the way not only you have heard them in the past, but the way you say them right now. If somebody says, welcome to church, it's supposed to sound positive, right? That was my best positive. You guys didn't know I could sound positive, right? right? Welcome to church. But if somebody says, welcome to church, it takes on an incarnation that's different, right? And all these words, the way we define things can be confusing because some of these words have incarnated different with us, Right? Give you an example. How about authority? Right? For some of us, that word is positive. For others of us, sounds like the principal's going to bust me again in eighth grade because he has authority and I don't. And I shouldn't be skipping school, right? It all takes on different meaning. Or how about this one? Holy. See the different incarnation, your initial response? For some of you, you immediately thought of God. For others of you, you thought this morning, you thought, oh, what's that holier-than-thou person that used to judge me? And so this word that's so pure and description of God takes on a different incarnation. And then the final one, maybe the most confusing word in the whole world is right here. The way we incarnate this word. Has there been a more confusing word in the history of language? Not only in English or Spanish or Greek or Hebrew, but this word has been defined millions, if not billions of different ways throughout the history of the world and will continue to be defined in different ways until it takes on flesh. And that is what John is trying to do. The word God, if it's just on a page or just in our minds or just beyond the ethereal blue, means all kinds of things. And we can argue and fight about it until it takes on 
flesh. And that's the profound nature, nature of what John is saying. When he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's trying to clear things up. He's trying to end the confusion. He's speaking in terms of who and what and how God is. He's speaking of who God was pre-creation. And if he stopped right there in verse 1 and 2, there could probably still be some debate. But this beautiful poem of John 1, 1 through 14 continues because the word takes on what? Flesh. And so the birth narrative is a story of ending the confusion about who God is. And John tells us in verse 14, the word became flesh and moved in next door, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son sent from the father, full of grace and truth. So as words confuse and we long for words, what John is doing is he's telling us that when Jesus was born, when the king came to earth, all the debate and confusion about God was settled. It's supposed to be settled because the word who is God showed up. He came and dwelled among us. The word was not distant. This God is not far. This God has revealed himself. He has made himself known. In other words, church family, Jesus is God. God is Jesus. And Jesus has always been like God and God has always been like Jesus. That's the lens that John wants us to look at Scripture. So many of us get confused with, well, the Old Testament God seems like he's a lot different than the New Testament God. And John comes along and goes, no, before creation, Jesus was there. And then he moved in next door and we got to see not just who Jesus, the Christ, is like, but he reveals who God is, was, and always will be. We read that in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, right? He is the exact representation. We read it again at the end of Hebrews in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You guys liking some theology this morning? Give me an amen, please. Right? This is theological sermon. Right? This is, this is I like it. This is good. Not just because I'm preaching it. This is the stuff my faith is built on. Because God is no longer confusing He's not somewhere out there. He has come next door. He has taken on flesh. Yes, there is mystery, but there is no confusion. The Word is God. He is Jesus. And He still takes on flesh today. The beauty of this passage is that He's calling us to see that Jesus has taken on flesh, that he's moved in next door. But he also, I believe, is challenging us to continue to take on flesh, that words still incarnate. They still mean something. I ran across this guy named Travis Doodles on all places 
uh, Instagram a few weeks ago. I don't think his last name is Doodles. I think that's his, his, uh, just his name uh, on Instagram. But Travis Doodles has this Instagram page and YouTube page in which he and his wife, who are both artists and followers of Jesus, they started this nonprofit ministry. And this nonprofit ministry is called Worth and Purpose. And through donations and through help of other followers of Jesus, he connects the love of God and the name of God to homeless people in his neighborhood. I can't figure out where he's at. Somewhere a lot warmer than it is here. There's palm trees, right? Could be Dallas. I don't know, <laughs> right? But it's somewhere warm. Night that I ran across this on Instagram, I couldn't get enough. I just kept watching video after video after video. Then I pulled up his YouTube page, and I kept watching video after video after video because what I saw in this ministry was Jesus taking on flesh, feeding the homeless, making friends and connections. Travis drives around in this ice cream truck, and what he does is he calls out on the ice cream truck, and he says, free ice cream, and he hands out free ice cream. And I want you to see a little connection, a video he made. And this is a compilation of a lot of YouTube shorts about a guy that he met who was a homeless man who sings pretty well. And I thought this was such a great example of what it means to continue the incarnation of Jesus. Here's a little video from Travis Doodles. This is why I'm crying out to God. If I can still got tattoos, you know, I did drugs. I was doing my bad guy. I didn't change. Didn't give the Lord to Jesus all the time. And I'm like, you, it's just like drawing me in more and more and more. What are you doing is working, bro. It's just the Holy Spirit is just like, it's just that feeling, bro. You can't describe it. There's no other feeling. Like, you really just changed my life. Oh, my God. This is how I became best friend. Homeless singer. Man, I heard you singing. Keep going. This is my good friend Jukebox. Currently, he's homeless, and we're helping him get back on his feet. Looking like a bouncer, my dude. (laughs) 
you see that was not only to see what Travis was doing for somebody else, but I think what John is trying to say is what you saw happening in that video. Is that if, if the story of Jesus for us is just some words on a page, then word has never become flesh. It's just an idea. And I love what Travis does is he takes, and yes, he helps, and he's got donations, and he's got money behind it to be able to bless people. But then did you see what he did? He incarnated Jesus to Jukebox. A great name, by the way. And then he was able to take Jukebox and show him the word incarnated through Jukebox as well. And see, that's called being a disciple. And we're a church that says we're for Jesus. We're for Canadian. We're going to change that. We're not just for Canadian. We're for others, right? That's about to change up here, just to let you know. We're for family, for transformation. All that means is we are for. In other words, we are for incarnating the way of Jesus. It's more than idea. It's more than theory. And John comes along and goes, that's what God did for you. Now go do for others. That's the birth story. Be who I was for you. Walk with people. Let's hear these words again this time out of the message and then we'll wrap up this morning. Let these words fall on you. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in his paraphrase. The word was first. 
The word present to God, God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness could not put it out. There once was a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world did not even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was, who he claimed, and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten. They're not blood-begotten or flesh-begotten or sex-begotten. God begotten. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. And as we start the New Testament, what an invitation for us. Not an invitation just on a Sunday morning, but an invitation to life. An invitation to incarnate the greatest story ever told, the good news, to our world. And so this morning I want to just mention two things. Two truths that I hope you'll walk with this week. And one is for those of us, maybe all of us, who need a word today. Maybe a word like Mrs. Leonard to Mary Ann Bird. I wish you were my daughter. I want you to know that This beginning of the good news is Jesus speaking to you today. He comes, as Miss Leonard did, and he incarnates himself. And in our brokenness, the gospel says to us, and in our hurt, the gospel says to us, I forgive you. I redeem you. Jesus whispers in our ear, I want to lead you. I want to save you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And if you're needing those words today, I hope those fall. My prayer all week is those words will fall on you with all the impact they should. And second, though, we need to hear this. For those of us that know those words of Jesus, who've heard the whisper of Jesus in our ear and we've said, I want that. To those of us that have accepted him, who have put on Jesus in baptism, have incarnated our faith through baptism, I want to challenge you today. There's this little saying that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, although he probably never really said it. Um, Probably more, uh, a little bit made up. But you've heard it, and it's good. I'm not. I'm going to pick on it, but it is good. It's that whole Christian phrase: preach the gospel often, or preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Right? And I get it. That's a good saying, right? 
Like, in other words, it's a challenge to live out, people that follow Jesus, to live it out, right? Be examples to other people. But I don't like that saying. Because here's what it does, is it forces a false dichotomy in our lives that we love. We love false dichotomies, right, as Christians. That one thing's pitted against another when they're really not. That's a false dichotomy. This thing somehow excuses this thing from happening. So a lot of us have maybe used that phrase as an excuse. Well, I'll just live the gospel out. There's no reason for me to ever talk about Jesus. If I have an example, I don't have to use words. That's a false dichotomy. You see what I'm saying? When I don't think that's the gospel. The word put on flesh. God could have spoke it, or God could have not spoken. He could have not showed up and still forgiven us. He could have just sent a word from heaven. You guys are all forgiven. But what's he do? He does both. He's not just word and he's not just example. He's both. And so for some of us, the challenge from John 1 is to start putting on flesh. The American Christian is probably the least has the least amount of expectations on them of any Christian in the world. Our expectation level bar is about, whoop, it's about that high. Come to church, please. And if you don't come, it's okay. It's what we say a lot. I'm not sure that's what the gospel calls us to. That's all I'll say about that, because then I'll get in trouble if I say any more. I'm sure the gospel calls us to so much more. Not to demand and not to judge and not to hurt and not to coerce, but I'm pretty sure that when God says, I want to come and dwell among you and live through you and by the power of the Spirit use gifts that I give you to change the world, I'm pretty sure word becoming flesh means more than Sunday mornings. Amen, church? I mean, it's got to, right? We have life-changing, life-altering, world-altering, Holy Spirit power within us, and we reserve it to 1.5 hours on Sunday mornings. I'm not sure that's what God had in mind. Now, don't let that be your inspiration this morning. Don't let my words that sound discouraging be the source of inspiration this morning. Let the inspiration be that the Jesus who is the word, who is the Christ, has come and spoken into my life and said, I want you. I don't need you, but I want you. And I want to make you my son and daughter. What a beautiful story. If you need anything this morning, we're here for you. There's so much more in Christianity to than we've ever imagined. So much more that God wants to do in your life. If you're ready to have that beginning, that's what baptism is. If you're ready just to kind of recommit to that, that's what we're here to pray for. If you're here just to say, man, God has been good to me. I'm like jukebox and he is changing my life. We're here for that as well. Whatever you need, we've got shepherds in the back and we'll be up front as well. Let's stand as we sing with Evan. Amen. Uh-huh.